episodes of the Eyewash uh, Baseball Podcast. Double digits, you know, baby. It's a thing that we don't do. We don't say our freaking names at the beginning, man. We don't. That's a great point. My name's Jacob Vernick. <laughs> I'm Ronick Nair. And if you're if you're if you've come along for the ride, I don't I don't know how because uh, I don't know who knows. We even do this, but um, thank you. And I guess now you, we officially have said our names, even though they're in all the descriptions. But yeah, that's that's that. Uh, we should just get that out of the way. Yeah, that's a good one to learn. We it takes sometimes it just takes ten episodes to learn something. I agree. Uh, it'll only get it'll only go up from here. I'm sure we'll just keep saying our names. Uh, like if that all is the, the bar for a successful podcast, we're gonna have the best podcast ever. Yeah, I think. Um, you know, that's just a vital piece of information, you know, growing yeah, pains. You want to know who you're listening to. And for the first nine episodes, people were like, what the fuck is this? Who are these people? And now they know. Yes, they do They know. stuck uh, along. They stuck around. They were like, maybe they'll tell us one day. And we <laughs> Today's the day. I mean, that's a big payoff for, for some of the ghost listeners who have who's, who've, uh, sat through with these two. End of season one. What a good way to leave people <laughs> wanting to come back. An anonymous podcast. Get, get um <laughs> Well, I, I think we're we're close to a month into the into the season. Um, Crazy. Now it's it's been kind of kind of wonderful to have baseball back uh, in in really a normal form, and it's been remarked on a lot. This really feels like baseball is coming back for the first time in two years at this point it because does. last year was just really bizarre. We, we had a lot of teams playing just just uh, weirdly scheduled games teams only playing teams within their division just the the nature of it and, and at the time america was kind of you know midway through the coronavirus pandemic um not that things are totally clear now but it seems you know we've got fans in the stands vaccines on the way and um it just feels there's a, there's a lighter feeling around this season i think in general so um it's been good to kind of have that stress-free baseball enjoyment in some senses and um you know, we've had some observations. I think there's been some kind of league, like league-wide op- observations for sure. Um, s- some team-specific observations. I don't really need to get into that with with my team at the moment. Um, I won't be taking questions on the Yankees at this time. But same with the Phillies. Yeah, we can. We'll we'll leave those to the press. What about the Phil? Well, come on, the Phillies. I feel like you've got some things to look forward to. You know, like it just we've maybe- been six and six, seven and seven, eight and eight, nine and nine, ten and ten. And eleven and eleven. But I, I'm more so referring to the individual performances. Can't you get excited about that? Zach Wheeler looks looks uh, looks pretty great. Um, Reese Hoskins starts. Uh, you know, and of course I can Bryce find Harper. something wrong with my team at any given point. If you want, not Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper, I cannot find something wrong with at all right now. Well, what's what's wrong with Reese Hoskins? He has four walks this year. Well, I mean, isn't that kind of exciting? Because because the previous complaint you could lay on him is that he just takes way too many pitches and he doesn't. But it worked. He drew a ton extent, of walks. To an extent, but I think maybe if you can get a world where he's at a happy media, maybe he's an even better player than the the kind of. Would you rather have a player with? I mean, tell me, tell me what you think. Would you rather have a player with more home runs and a lower WRC plus, or a player with higher walks and a low and a higher WRC plus? Uh, well, I think you you are probably just rooting for your team's success. Yeah. So, uh, you, you would just want him to be to good. Be, to be good well t- he is good he has a 142 wrc plus right now okay that was a that, 123 yesterday numbers are crazy yeah they're everything's moving a bit fast yeah. i i've been observing that as well so um a two home run day i'll do that it's fair it's it will do that i i think if if he can kind of reach reach a world where he is swinging at more pitch i don't think he's ever going to be as good as he was in in that first season um, in the, in that first three weeks is about yeah. what it was which is following him around his entire career, pretty much, kind of pretty unfortunate, unfair expectations. Yep. Where he he's not going to be like an all star or MVP candidate. He he's might not going to hit set eleven home runs every three weeks. No, probably not. If I had to guess, that's that sort of thing. Pretty rare. Um, yep. You know, but yeah, this, is, this is just a good. It's a good little season for for the Phillies. I think. I think. Were you expecting the Phillies to be in second place right now? I, let's put the records aside of the of the rest of the division and everything. I, they're in Beginning second place. of the season. No, when they were five and one. Yes. That, okay, that's that's fair. That's fair. They did start out a lot better than they have been. But, yeah, um, exactly. Um, I, I I think just my own mental calculus. I have officially written the Nationals off. And what have we learned about doing that? No, I, but what have we learned? Did 2019 tell you nothing? It was diff. It's different then. How? It's diff. They they just had more talent. They, they had, had a lot Anthony more Rendon, talent, and it's basically the same team. Um, Two years later, to be fair, would would you would you 
really honestly say that with the bullpen that they have. I mean, they and their depth pieces. They had pieces. two bullpen arms that year. They had Daniel Hudson and Tanner Rainey and Sean well, Doolittle, three. That's three. There you go. And their their depth is just not as good at all. Um, yeah, that's in, fair. in my opinion. Yeah. And and the you know, I haven't I haven't really looked at the the kind of the, the starting pitcher numbers to go into it, but. But well, we know Strasburg's not healthy. We know, you know, that, that there's some things to definitely be concerned about. I, I, I refuse to write any team. If, you know, if I, I can't write off any team while the Royals are in first place. I, I understand what you're saying. I understand what you're saying. By the way, the Royals are in first place. Are in first place. They have a six, 16% division odds right now. Um, that's the second highest in the division. That's incredible. They have higher division odds than the Twins. Danny Duffy is pitching well. Good for Danny Duffy. Good for Danny Duffy. I, I've Agreed. always kind of liked Danny Duffy because he's just hard to not like a player with an alliterative name, in my opinion. Yeah, he's got he's got a great baseball name, and he's been on the he's been on the Royals for a long time, and they've been really bad, and he's kind of been like their best pitcher throughout this whole time. Maybe well, maybe he's not now, um, you know. But he is. He is. You think so? I mean, Brad Keller has been very good, but yeah, I think um, the Royals being so good is is really just a paradox i think in our season preview we kind of really shit on them for being for trying when we looked at the roster and they it just didn't seem like they were they were up for it and now they're they're 14 and 7 the twins are the exact opposite 7 and 14 and that kind of thing matters that yeah. kind of thing matters that's a tough hole to drag yourself out of because for all the talk of it being a long season the royals have have if they're going to make a crazy run to win a wild card or win the division, this is the start you would have for it. Absolutely, but 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 you know, I, I the, the, every year we do this. Every year the Mariners get off to an amazing start, and we say, can the Mariners make the playoffs this year? Well, if they can't make it in the division, it's looking like this start means that they can finish as a wild card team. And then every year the Mariners lose a hundred games in the months of October, in August, and September combined, even though they're sixty days. And they're out of it. I am in. I will be sold in on May thirtieth. May thirtieth. Uh, there might be thirty-one days in May. May thirty-first. You'll have me. You'll you'll have me. Okay, this is for real. April twenty-seventh. I know it's fun, and I do. I fall into the trap too, especially with my own team. With the Phillies, I I think the season is over. With 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 any other team, with the Royals being in first, with the Nationals being in in last. Uh, come back to me in a month. If you had to guess right now which team had the highest division odds, what would you say? I would say the Dodgers. The Dodgers do. It's 74.3. I nailed that. But only a percentage point back is second place. at 73% to win the division. Who do you think it is? Milwaukee. It's the Mets. No. Next question. The Mets have a on Fangrass. They have a seventy three percent chance to win their division. I hate that they, with every little bit in me. They are nine and eight. They're half a game above the Phillies. They're one and a half games ahead of the Braves. Who you know? I think we kind of remarked that the, the projections were disrespecting them. Um, I, I, I want to go back to what you said on the Royals, though. I don't want to make it seem like I think that they're going to win the division. I just think it it's interesting that the projection models have kind of built in now the possibility that they can win the division well we were talking about it's a it's a good thing and we were talking about this a few weeks ago with the phillies when they went up by i believe from 15 to 32 percent in in i believe the first when they were five and one from zero to zero to five and one their playoff odds went up something like 17 percent and now they're back down at 17 percent so these things do fluctuate pretty wildly they do they do uh i i but but the way you have to do it to get it up to like from zero is to go on that run, and that's yeah. step one. So, so, so when a team accomplishes step one, like the Royals, like if they're gonna make a weird run, there's gonna be a lot more involved. Yep. You know, they they need to outplay two teams that maybe three teams because I think Cleveland's probably better than them too. Three teams that are wildly better than them, and that's not easy. That is not an easy thing. The the the, the Twins are almost certainly going to get a lot of their players back um, because they have they've had some COVID-19 problems uh, at the moment. But it's it's just a weird thing to see the Royals so high in power rankings and it just seeing people talk about them being good. 
because my opinion of them is that they are they are not that great, but they have some players that are performing really really well. Um, one of them is Michael A. Taylor, who is leading the team in WAR actually. Danny Duffy has given up one run in 23 innings, and it was a solo home run to Shohei Otani. That is it. That is astounding. That will take you a long way. And I, I don't know about you. Do you think Danny Duffy's going to give up one run every 23 innings for the rest of the year? Well, it would certainly be a good strategy. And I don't disagree. If I were him, I would just continue doing it. But we'll, we'll have to see how it goes. To be fair, his fastball velocity's up. His numbers are, are kind of, they, they, they look, you know, they look fine. But like, you know, it's it's April 27th. Let's uh, call me in a month. But also, I, I mean, I'm here for it. I'm rooting for it. I'll, I'll, I'll watch the Royals win games. How do you feel about the fact that his ERA is .39 and his expected ERA is 3.97? Like it's April 27th is how right. I feel. He, he's left, he's stranded 93% of the base runners that he's let on base. Because it's April 27th. Right. So, so it, it goes to show that, you know, these numbers, he's given up one run. That's very impressive and all, but, the, you know, there could maybe one batted ball goes one way or some, one bad call goes another way and it could be a lot more runs, so. I know you. You we we were discussing something kind of similar about uh, about the the ball being put in play a whole lot less this year. Uh, maybe Danny Duffy's been been a, a big fan of that. But do you have those numbers? Yes. So basi- basically, uh, what's what spurned this is that Boo Shiambi had a had a tweet yesterday. Um, the MLB slash line into today is two thirty two, three ten, three ninety. Batting average would be the lowest ever in two thousand eight. About forty two percent of swings put balls in play. This year, 35.4% put balls in play. In 2008, the swing and miss rate was 20%, and this year it's 27.3. Yikes. My feeling on this is that it, it was really interesting to see the way that people were responding to this because they were telling Bhushambi something other than I think that he was, he was saying. They were giving him the reasons for it. They were saying, hey, this is because pitchers are going for strikeouts and hitters are going for home runs blah blah blah. So I think he probably knew that when he was saying that. I think the thing he's trying to get at is that this is not fun. This is not this is not something that we want. So why does it have to be this way? And a better question really is why is it this way? And sure. I think um that can be really gotten into when we talk about the ball um sort of being a bit de-juiced apparently but from what we're seeing it's kind of a, a actually a pretty lively ball um it's just comparatively less lively than when it was at its peak the intention i i guess from mlb was to sort of lower the home run rate and in turn increase the contact rate as if messing with one part of the true three true outcomes formula would affect the two others but what it's in fact done is it's lowered the home run rate and it has vastly increased the strikeout rate and walk rate and we are getting kind of the same aesthetics of baseball with fewer home runs and a 390 slugging percentage as Bukshambi said in the tweet so I just I I think people need to kind of think about is this what we want is sure. is this the kind of baseball that we want to see and I think people especially in kind of like analytic um kind of circles or, or people who are who fans who are analytically slanted have a real complex where they react in a certain way to criticism about the modern game and deflect it as kind of like people being nostalgic or sure but there also is something very nice about it the Phillies played the Phillies played a two hour and 22 minute game where both pitchers pitched into the ninth last night and it was one of the most enjoyable games of baseball I ever watched yeah you told me about that and, and I think I, there was also um maybe a week ago the Mariners and the Dodgers played a game that was that was less than two and a half hours and it was just you know Marco Gonzalez who's a fast worker um pitching very well and Julio Arias pitched really well and it was it was a great game low scoring game there were a lot of strikeouts in the game but it was still a quick game and I had fun watching that game it it didn't take up my whole afternoon and um I I think that that's just kind of like whenever whenever someone says something about pace of play or or they're not being enough contact it's kind of treated the same way people who talk about you know those stat nerds talking about like with their clipboards and taking pictures out too early and looking at pitch counts and shifting all the time. It's, I think you can kind of separate these two things because one of them is, is just a complaint with 
a perceived overtaking of the game by stat nerds, which is, in my opinion, kind of a dumb thing to say because that this just felt just kind of inevitable, like this was going to happen. Another one is kind of a look at the more aesthetic ramifications of that, which is a real th- conversation you can have. And my, my feeling is that I don't like it very much. I think that is very fair. And I, I think what I would point to is specifically the NFL and the NBA. The NBA, for example, eliminated hand-checking. They eliminated a lot of things that the defense was able to do in order to make it a more offensive game. Because what did people want? They wanted it to be a more offensive game. In the NFL, the quarterback is protected to an almost hilarious extent. Why is that? Because we don't go to watch a game because an offensive lineman is really good at blocking. We go to watch a quarterback do what he does. We come to we watch the Super Bowl because it was Patrick Mahomes versus Tom Brady. Those were the guys that we came to see. And in baseball, I think it is fair to say that it is different in that a pitcher is in control of the ball, whereas other sports, the defense is not in control of the ball. Um, so a pitcher just has more you know they have the, the, they have more impact on the on the game in, in in a certain way and but i don't think that is fair to say that every sport benefits from a little bit more offense and if there's not enough offense well we can change rules to encourage more offense and i don't think there's anything wrong with that and i I, I, I'm toying on both sides of this because as I'm saying this, there's this other part of my brain that's yanking me over to the side that's saying, you love a 13 strikeout game. You love when a pitcher comes in, pitches eight innings, and just dominates a lineup. I also know that it has something to do with the hitter's approach. The hitters aren't going up there looking to make contact. They're going up there looking to hit home runs. And I don't know if, if you know, based off of what we we kind of know about how runs are produced in the game if that's necessarily even going to change if 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 the game has changed what what do you think about that do you think do you think there are rules that could change hitters approach at the plate i think that as long as the home run is as valuable as it is no probably probably not i think to go back to the baseball i mean the basketball and football examples you gave that is a little bit unlucky for baseball because it just so happens that those sports are kind of undergoing their analytics takeover as well and the end game seemingly of those sports although we could talk about basketball really because i think a lot of people are kind of having a bit of a backlash to this offensive revolution the optimal thing to do in basketball just so happens to be three pointers and layups and that leads to kind of like you know more scoring really and in a in a vacuum theoretically that's more entertaining yeah it's all about efficiency well right okay that's a good point and the optimal thing to do in football is passing which theoretically is more entertaining yeah that's a really good point in baseball the more optimal thing to do is go for home runs and strikeouts which is dreadfully boring and that's not really the fault of the players or the gms who are implementing these kind of these strategies, they're trying to maximize the value of their team. Their obligation is not to the fan. Their obligation, it, it, it sounds win. perverse to say, yes, it is to win the game. The The obligation belongs to MLB to be kind of the balancers and the tinkerers of these kind of external factors of the game so they can create a sport that is both competitively fulfilling for players and teams alike and enjoyable to watch for fans. And so far, so far, they're just they're not demonstrating an ability to do these things. They they really, it seems to me, have gotten the ball issue really wrong for the last five years. There was a time where it felt like they were not able to control the ball. They said that they were doing nothing to, nothing to the ball. Then later it came out that they were in fact doing things to the ball. Then they bought Rawlings and they <laughs> very vaguely have... In, what happened this year was they never came out and said... We are going to change the ball and do X, 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 and X. There was a leaked MLB memo that said that they were going to change the ball with the hopes of reducing the home run rate or Jeez. whatever. And it, then you had these kind of like really perverse things where like you would see on MLB.com like report MLB looking to – leaked memo shows that. But it's like 
Why are you not just saying this? Right. What? Just what? Right. What are you standing Why to gain by you keeping this away? Yeah, you're reporting on a leaked AP report of a, a memo that MLB sent. You know, but like they will never just come. They're they're just not able to be transparent enough and and say these kind of things. And for a long time, it really feels like baseball has been kind of the sport that is the most resistant to changing the functional core aspects of the game. And I know that we've seen a few more of these with this, with the the extra inning runners and um, seven inning games. None of which are loved. And that's another thing. I think baseball fans um, have something to learn from fans of other sports because I'm thinking of you know for example this this uh, European Super League story that happened last week and now it has come and gone. The reason it has come and gone. Because fans didn't like it. And instead, in baseball, when rules happen that fans don't enjoy, we're just kind of just beaten into submission. And, and, and they just they just happen. And I, I, I acknowledge that there's not much really that we can do because the owners are kind of just negotiating this um, with the players. And both the players and the owners have kind of just determined that this is something that they're either willing to tolerate or use as a negotiating chip for something else. But the end result is that no fans do not like these rules. Fans yep. do not like... Um, more home runs and um, more walks and strikeouts. They don't like the ghost runner. They don't like um, seven inning games. That much is very clear. Yet, it seems like we're just going to have all these things for, for years and years to come. And there's not really much that we can do. Well, next year is the year that next year is the year where we find out if we have these things for years to come. I mean, like with, with a CBA, I mean, like there is still, I, I'd say, a lot to left to be determined. I mean, they def- I, I don't see why they wouldn't stay because, to be clear, they are here and they. Uh, it's not a year where they re- – a collective bargaining agreement year and it's now two years in a row with both of these rules. The DH came and went and now uh, yep. teachers are hitting again. So there's mm-hmm. just the, – the, these two years it will go down as a very two weird uh, two weird years in baseball history. That, that being said, what would you want to see? I mean we're, we're talking loftily, I guess, about, about a game that we, we both love and that we want to – to have I think I think where we're coming down on this is is more offense but we're also struggling to figure out what exactly that means um what is your perfect baseball world well more offense is a tricky thing because I think what I kind of want to see is more diversity in offense really I think the baseball has pushed out a lot of types of players and a lot of types of pitchers um as a result of this one process, which is really dependent on this this war between home runs and strikeouts on both ends of, of pitchers. So non-strikeout pitchers are being phased out of the game. Non-home run hitters are less valuable. And that's just the way it is. And I think you lose a lot when a lot of the hitters and a lot of the pitchers play the game the same way. And yeah. That is a, that is just an aspect that is a little bit aside from just the aesthetic value of home runs and strikeouts and walks alone. People like seeing balls in play, and they, the the fielding aspect of baseball is also a little bit less important. But isn't there always going to be one way to play the game that is the most efficient? There will be. It, it, that, what I'm trying to say is that it's up to MLB to kind of make sure that the, the most efficient way is not the oppressively— yeah, or, or just just unwatchable. They they control the theoretically they they are able to control how easy it is to hit a home run by you know messing with the ball, which clearly they just have not really exhibited much um, competence in doing. Because the what we're also seeing is that it it appears that the ball is kind of moving a lot more. So for whatever it's losing in 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 drag and ability to be hit f- far, it's just moving in ways that it wasn't so hitters are striking out more so um that's that's you know they've messed up there another thing they could do obviously is move the mound back um and i think you might see a lowering in velocity there and that would lead to less strikeouts and that might mean that it's more it's easier to produce singles doubles or balls in play just generally and i think but I in think that, that way, still leads to a question of even if it is easier, are they going to do it? The reason that hitters are going for home runs so much is because it's sort of an all-or-nothing approach. Because the the outcomes are not very varied between home run, strikeout, and walk. I think there is a way that if you kind of just lower the if you lower the pitch velocity and um, give give hitters more of a chance there, that you will see more balls in play. Fair enough. 
I, I, I sure hope so. Um, I, I think it would, I think it would likely help a certain type of hitter more, right? Like it would make the 260 hitter a 280 hitter, but keep the 230 hitter a 230 hitter. I don't know what I want. I really don't. I, I don't hate home runs and strikeouts. It can be frustrating, especially in the ninth game. I, I, I mean, well, I, I'll take it back. What I want is players who can do multiple things. I want a player who can choke up on the bat with two strikes and put the ball in play when that's the important thing to do in that situation. I think that's the piece of the game I really miss. I really miss the abil- a player who's going up to the plate with the sole purpose of bat control with a runner on second base and one out in a tie game in the ninth inning, or excuse me, with no outs in the ninth inning, and his only goal is to get that runner to third base. So he's either going to bunt or he's going to hit a ground ball to the right side. And the ability to hit a ground ball to the right side is not something you ever see. And, and, And as a Phillies fan, the person that is fully on my brain as I'm talking about this is Roman Quinn, who is so unbelievably fast and is just if he can get on base, he is he gets in a pitcher's head, he steals a base, he can steal two bases, and he takes the biggest swings at the plate. He strikes out something like 40% of the time, and if he walked up to the plate and choked up on the bat and could just put the ball in play, you, every, you will hear every single announcer still say it. You don't know what happens when you put a ball in play. And I think that's probably what we're looking for. That is but what it, we're looking for. But it's a difference in a, it, and it's a difference in approach and it's a different in thought process. And if we can get to a place, I get, I, I'm just, I guess, a little surprised that players can't, maybe, it, maybe I'm underselling it. Maybe I'm underselling how, how hard it is to hit a pitch right now. And that maybe moving the mound back or, or some other thing will make it easier to hit a pitch. But I am still surprised that a player like Roman Quinn, whose primary skill set is his speed, can't needs to take home run hacks every time he's up there and doesn't know how to choke up on the bat and put the ball in play. Yeah, I think it's it's difficult because Ro- Roman Quinn probably has an approach, and a lot of it is probably mental, right? And sure. I, I think it's the same reason that you know when we saw a lot of the information about the the. The the data surrounding the Astros cheating scandal. Yep, we saw that it didn't have as much of an effect as people thought, and some hitters were were adversely affected. Sure, by it, by it, and a lot of people's first thoughts were, "How is this possible? How can you literally know what is coming and not be able to control the outcome in, in a more sizable way?" And yeah. I think that is just because a lot of what hitters go into the into the at-bat with is just a, a sort of calm confidence of approach. And if you mess up that approach with some kind of variable, like you must hit the ball to this side of the field, you mu- you are getting a fastball no matter what, and you just, you're second-guessing it over and over again, and you're, just, you're thinking about this thing. And you're not think- your head is not clear. You're not thinking about the pitcher. You're not thinking about what, what might come, what might not come, and... I think clouding your head with that kind of um, information is detrimental because hitting a baseball is hard. Unless sure. you're Nick Madrigal, hitting a baseball is really, really hard. And um, I mean, Nick Madrigal is a, is a perfect kind of player. Like, he is a unicorn. But he didn't used to be. I mean, like, there used to be 100 players like exactly. him. Exactly. There are almost no players like Nick Madrigal. I mean, maybe David Fletcher, right? That like. But why is that? Because that kind of skill is not really value so there are guys there are guys with that skill set who get drafted out of college or drafted out of high school and they're they're i i don't know i mean correct i'm curious what you think are is their approach changed because that skill set doesn't go away right there are still no. guys at the plate who who know what they're good at at baseball in high school and their high school coach is just a, the english teacher and he wants to see them get on base so they just keep doing what they're good at and what they're good at is getting on base and then they hit 500 and then they get drafted and then yep. they get turned into a player that hits 220 and 25 home runs a year i don't know what happens i, I'll, I don't know what I happens either is that a player like nick madrigal he has a two percent strikeout rate he has not missed a pitch in the zone that he has swung at. Remarkable. And he is he has a 124 WRC plus and he's betting 308, you know, and he's slugging 415. Like just the the numbers, the way that they that that they support you in that kind of role, sort of this like reverse Javi Baez kind of like route, right? Where he's Javi Same. Baez is striking out a ton. Yep. And he and he hits everything hard and he and he has an insane slugging percentage. 
and he he derives value in a way that is totally different than Nick Madrigal, right? Yep. Almost the exact opposite. Uh, but Nick Madrigal has to play like exceedingly well to be valuable because he just doesn't hit the ball hard. Like his hardest hit ball of the year isn't even a hundred miles an hour. Sure, you know and. Sorry, it's a 104. It was a single up the middle. And um, his his hardest hit ball in the air was 98 miles an hour, uh, exit velocity. And that's just not going to be a home run. And no. the, the, the fact of the matter is that extra base hits are just really, really valuable right now, and especially home runs. And to, to be that kind of back control hitter, you need to play really, really well to get the same kind of value as a player like Aaron Judge, as a player... Um, who who is hitting home runs all the time because they just have a leg up on you because yeah. every hit is worth four times more than every one of your hits. Absolutely, but, but I, I and that is absolutely true from an individual perspective, right? Like every everything that he does or everything a double is better than a single, right? Yep. But if there's a runner on second base and you're you're down by one, and he a, a single can be just as good as a double. You, it, all I'm trying to say is that. There are situations where it, it's not necessarily taken into account the situation when we're when we're evaluating players in the current way we do, and there is absolutely a reason that we do that, and it's because time over time you're going to want a guy to hit a double more than you're going to want a guy to hit a single. But if you can have a guy who hits a single more consistently who, than a guy who can hit a double, well, there's value there too. Okay, but I mean, if you have Jacob Degrom throwing 101 miles an hour with like eight inches of run across the plate, right? Nick Madrigal is more likely to get a hit than Joey Gallo. That's almost certainly true, but Joey Gallo is almost certainly more likely to hit a ball 480 feet or whatever, right? So Right, but if I can have a guy get on first, get to second, J- Jacob DeGrom throws his first wild pitch of his career, he gets the third, and we hit a sack fly, we got a run rather than four strikeouts. That's right. But I guess all things equal, you don't get to control the situation. So like, no, obviously— that, well, that's, and that's where, that, that's where we're at. That's what everything is valued based off of. Yes, it's it's valued over the the long term. So like yes. when I see Giancarlo Stanton come up in the ninth inning and facing a hard throwing reliever, my gut sinks because I'm like he he's not going to touch this guy. He's not the guy you want up in that situation. Yeah, I just ob- obviously he's going to be lost. He's going to get a fastball that he can't touch, and he's going to get two breaking balls that he's not going to come close to swinging. And often that's true. Yeah, but you know but these then players that like one time. Yes, the players like Stanton, right? Like I, his 2018 season, which was very, very, you know, frustrating, and he got booed all the time, and it, it just it felt like he wasn't playing well. But he had a he had a 128 WRC plus. He had 38 home runs, and he had a 4.3 WAR. Yep, that's a good season. That's a good it season. Just, it just felt really ugly because because of the way he does it. Yes, and and the way he accrues value is just not steady. It he's a very streaky hitter, and I think te- yeah, teams when they're when they're taking a guy like Giancarlo Stanton, they're not taking him for those those specific moments where he's hitting in the ninth inning. They're taking him for the long haul. So like over the, over the season, that value is it's going to come yep. some way. Uh, we we came to nothing there. We en- we said a lo- whole lot of things, but I don't I don't know where we ended. I don't know where we ended either. And that, this is why it's going to be such a hard a hard thing. I think um, basically what I'm saying is that I don't have confidence that that the people who are in charge of this know much more than we do. But I also don't even know what I want, I uh, think uh, is a, a lot of what I said. Well, I, yes, I, I think that's true. I think we have we have a, a correctly identified the outcome that we want. Just getting there is going to be really, really tricky. I'm excited to see what happens when, when they move the mound back in the Atlantic League. Me and, too. And um, some of the results of that, uh, obviously – that's that's a solution that has been tossed around a bit, but never really implemented um, for a long time, and um, it could it, we could see some some kind of some kind of um, valuable um, change there, specifically because the whatever's happening with the ball, whatever they're doing with the ball, is just not working. So, fair enough. I I think that's a, a good point, but I I will say there is one team uh, maybe from the pitching side. Who, who whatever they're doing with the ball with is is currently working for i i should say uh in case i haven't said it already it is april 27th um but just in case i i i hadn't just as a reminder um do you know the team with the the best starters era in major league baseball right now the milwaukee brewers no but that is it that is exactly who i'd expect you to guess they are third this team is is 0.3 better than the next team is it the mets 
Nope, they have the best fit, but not the best ERA. It's the San Francisco Giants. Wow. They Their starters are pitching to a 2.11 ERA. That is because Anthony DiSclefani has a 1.5, Johnny Cueto 1.8, Kevin Gossman 2.1, Aaron Sanchez 1.8, Alex Wood 0.75 in two starts, and Logan Webb 4.22. We can ignore him. But uh, what the fuck? Well, I'm sure, uh, you know, ERA is a very helpful stat for, for, for them given where they play, but it does appear that a lot of them are just straight up pitching well, which is... Um, you know, kind of cool to see. They're, it's the fourth best fit. Yeah, yeah, that's that's uh, that's another thing to take into account. They're in first place. They have the same record as the Dodgers. What is going on in San Francisco? I I, I didn't. The, it. What's more surprising to you? I, I, we probably should have this conversation with the Royals conversation, but maybe they're nice bookended to each other. We're we're learning as we go. I'm Jacob Vernick. Hi, nice uh, to meet you. I'm Ronick Nair. Good. Uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> what is going? on? Well, do do you have any answers for me? I mean, like no nothing, no high no high K rates. I mean, like these these are the these are the fun stories that I guess are gonna trans that, that just kind of stick with us. But I mean, if Johnny Cueto's still good, that's awesome. Johnny Cueto, yes, he he got hurt, which is a a real bummer. Hopefully, he's back and and not too um not too banged up there. I think a lot of it has to do with um. Buster Posey and Evan Longoria still being good too. We got to keep that into account. But the starting pitcher uh, numbers are genuinely astounding for me. Um, spe- right down to uh, Aaron Sanchez having a 1.83 ERA. So um, not 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 exactly supported by his FIP, but yeah. I don't think they're only uh, surprising to you. I will say uh, I think everybody's pretty surprised. Maybe Giants fans are believers and they knew this was coming, um, but. Uh, I personally, I you know, it will never happen. I'd love to see this team give it one more run. There's no reason they should have had Brandon Belt and Brandon Crawford and Buster Posey as long as they have had them. And to see it, like, in some small way, still have some sort of effect and get them in the playoffs in a, in a wild card game and, you know, just have Madison Bumgarner, like, in the crowd or something. and Or they trade for him at the trade deadline, even though they have no reason to. Uh, just to get the gang back together, uh, you know, it it would be. I, I'm rooting for this team. They are uh, they're old, and that's kind of fun. We have reached the full circle of the Giants' competitive window, where um, I think ever since they have been bad in this recent post World Series stretch run, people have been asking for Brandon Belt to get traded to the Yankees. Yep, um, every year. And the Yankees just have never done it because they really didn't need the offense. Now their first base position, I think, is like one of the worst hitting in the league, and he would kind of be a perfect addition for them. Now the Giants are good, so why would they do that? <laughs> Missed so, their window. Yeah, I don't. I this is a really surreal, surreal feeling. It, it is cool to see Buster Posey just absolutely mashing. Right. Um, he had a two home run game the other night. He did. He did. And I, I don't know what's going on. It's the Royal. I mean, like a giant, another Giants Royals World Series. What do you say? Let's go. Let's give it another run. Two of the best records in Major League Baseball right now: the Giants and the Royals. What what Who year is thought? it? Who would have thought? Who would have thought? And you know, I think we all would have thought that the Padres would be in second place here. I think there's no reason to think that when the season is is done, that the Padres will be there. But yep. I mean, we will. I think the Padres have been pretty strong. They've they've. They've looked really good against the best team in baseball every so, time that they played them. Which so I, I think one, one thing we discussed the other day uh, off air was uh, was Glaber Torres at shortstop and some some worries there. But uh, are we worried about Fernando Tatis at shortstop? No, no, I'm not worried. And I think I brought this up with you uh, when we talked about it. It, it. it doesn't really seem to be that he doesn't have the athleticism for it. He is a freak athlete. He, he, he makes these crazy wonder plays. It just seems to me that he's making just some dumb errors, and I don't really know that that is going to last forever. Because last year he didn't really have that many errors; he looked really good at shortstop. This year he's had an, kind of an insane amount of them already this early in the season. And it's really just been dumb things like missing ground balls, making bad throws. Do you really think that that will last? I mean, the the way that I view him is still kind of a spectacular athlete who is prime for the position. The difference between him and Gleyber Torres is I see Gleyber Torres missing easy plays because he's not fast enough to get to balls. And that's what concerns me there. So I don't see that with Tatis. So I wouldn't say 
um, it's time to panic there. Yeah, I mean, Tatis is making... It, it, it's definitely a little bit different, but it's not too different. I mean, like, it, Tatis is making errors on very easy plays. You know, they are the routine ones where he's getting a little yippy in his head about them. And he's just, uh, you know, I mean, there's some where, you know, Hosmer may have been able to make a pick. That Hosmer could have made a play. But then there's some that it's just like, I mean, that was a ground ball right to him. And he couldn't make the third or first base. I mean, this is supposed to be the best shortstop in Major League Baseball. Not, uh, that's not exactly true. But, you know. never. I don't think no one no one ever got got it confused that he was the best defensive shortstop. Sure. Very fair. I, I, but but I, I think, you know, it's not a fair stat to judge somebody on. But he has an 830 fielding percentage. He has made nine errors in 53 plays. That yeah. is so many errors and on so many routine plays. Again, April 27th. Why am I doing this? Because it, it he just signed a $300 million contract and def, shortstop defense is one of the most important positions and important things for for a yeah. team on the field. That's why yeah. I'm concerned. I think that, that because of that contract, they will probably just ride ride it and i think they you just have to believe that he'll get better at it because last year he looked really good and uh whatever defensive numbers we got in a shortened season however much you trust them they looked better than his rookie season and that's just the belief that you have to have that he's kind of just in his own head about it and this is a fixable thing because his offense is still spectacular you'd put him in the lineup it's not like the errors are keeping him out of the lineup let's say that they never will yeah And, and you just have to believe that these that that he will grow into it and be be a superstar because uh, I guess you have the break glass in case of emergency put Manny Machado at shortstop, um, but it's something you mentioned to me with Glaber Torres like how much would you break that that player's confidence at age twenty two if you take him off the shortstop? Yep, and, for sure. And put I him mean, at third base. That that's not something that I would want to do if I have him for the next um, thirteen years, fourteen years. So. I would, I'd want to get this sorted out, and I think the best way to do that is just to get into play because he's he's young. Yeah, fair enough. I, I think, uh, and just as a reminder, it, this was a problem his rookie year. It was not too much of a problem last year, but in his rookie year, he, he was throwing the ball all over the place too, and it was it, it was always the route, if I remember correctly, it was the routine ones, and he was making the, the exciting, incredible ones pretty regularly. Yeah, I, and I think that's the thing that gives you some hope that he's able to make those astounding plays because right there's there's not no talent there like the talent is there you how is it possible that he's just missing routine ground balls and making bad routine throws it just has to be a concentration thing or a mental lapse thing because the ability is there fair enough i i'd say uh mental is harder to cure than physical well if you that's one thing but if you just don't have the physical there's you're not getting it Right? right, like if if Glaber Torres is right. too right, short, right, right. To, is is too uh, slow to get a ball to his left, he's never going to get that ball. Tatis right. can can do that. He has the physical ability to stay at this position for a long time if he can get the other things under control. Fair enough. Oh, I did want to say I did want to talk about uh, uh, umpiring just a little bit. Um, specifically. Uh, there are so many rules. Uh, well, to give people some background, I- I- I've recently become a- an umpire. Uh, primarily, I think I've only done I've done three games uh, between nine and twelve years old, all forty six sixty. Um, Ronick, there are so many rules in baseball. Did you know that? I was familiar with it. I mean, I've never read the rule book, but don't number one and number two. Uh, I, I want there, there are two things I wanted to well one is that all there are so many other rules for little league that I just I'll be honest there was a moment where a kid was leading off second base which you, you know it, the play had kind of come to an end right like kids are running all over the bases they're throwing the ball everywhere because they're kids and they don't know how to play the game yet and it ends up with uh, the third baseman holding the ball a runner on second base and he's standing a little bit off the base maybe maybe two or three shuffles worth. And the third baseman throws the ball to the pitcher. And as the pitcher turns his back, the runner takes off to third base. Oh. And he's safe. And the the coaches come over to me and they say, wait, isn't the ball dead because the pitcher's on the mound? And I had absolutely no idea what the rule was. Do you? Well, when is the ball dead? Well, I think the umpire needs to call it. 
right? Thank, that is exactly what I told them. And that's what I, I asked the umpire bosses afterwards, and they said what I did was right. But I said, I never called time. Yeah, because because I, I often see, you know, when a, when a runner's safe at second or when a pitcher gets the ball back after play, he, he gestures to the umpire, dead ball. Dead ball, right. I want time. And they, yeah. they never gave me time. So I, I let the kid run to third base, and I said, I never called time. And they were yeah. they didn't seem okay with that answer, but they went, they, uh, they went with it. Well, they have some, they have some other, uh, you know, motivations other than you. So that's very true. Uh, I, I will say the other thing that, uh, drives me crazy is having to be a bit in part. Okay. Two actually things. One, it is so hard not to make makeup calls. When I make a call Interesting. and I feel bad about making a call that may have influenced the game in some way, I want to make a call to influence the game in a different way. I love hearing that. I love hearing that because my feeling is that MLB umpires are, of course, feeling the exact same thing. They're not stone cold, you know, let's put the next play behind me. If you make a mistake, particularly on something as small as balls and strikes where it's really difficult to prove that you're doing that, yep, you would just do it. Exactly. I, and I, I, it's, if, it's a feeling that fans just have. They're like, oh, of course some person make makeup calls. I see it all the time, but you'll never get them to admit it. I, I could never tell you if it, I mean, I imagine other umpires feel this way. I can definitely tell you that I feel this way. Maybe it's just like a, a, a you know, there's just like a small pang of guilt that just like rises up from the ground and is like, hey, you might have you might have given this team a run or you might have given this team a hit or you might have given this team a base runner. Maybe give the other team something, a, a little bit of something. So bang, bang, play, maybe he's safe. Bang, bang, play, maybe he's out. Something like that. That I, I'm not happy about it, but it is a feeling thing. And especially when they're 10. You know, when they're 10, yes. it feels a little bit different. Like they they are there to have fun, which is leading me into my next point. Oh my God, coaches are fucking crazy. And it makes me so <laughs> sad. I heard a coach chew out two different kids and there was no way both of them were his kids. Like I was like, okay, maybe this kid he's screaming at right now is his son. And that makes it either better or worse. I don't know if it makes it better or worse. But then he screamed at another kid, and they would definitely they had different names on the back of their jerseys. And I was like, oh, no, this is just who this man is, and I have to be, as an umpire, impartial. I can't go over to the coach and say, like, hey, that is not how you talk to children, and I don't think I should have to tell you that. I just have to let him do it. That is crazy. Uh, pe- people need to understand the stakes involved. I mean, the yeah. How do you, you said there were 10? There were 10. They were 10. They were oh, 10. Man. I don't know. He I, didn't I, back up a throw when the kid was stealing second in center field, and it led to either a run or two runs. And he just like was in the dugout, took two steps on the field, and just screamed. Nobody else said a word. He just screamed at the kid for not backing up. I saw Domingo Herman not do that last week. Aaron Boone didn't do didn't do a damn thing. So exactly um, because he's a grown ass man and he I, 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 he he Aaron Boone has my permission to do shit like that because he's talking to a grown ass man. You don't talk to children like that. God damn yeah, it! Why do don't. I have to even say it? Well, I mean, it's, it's 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 I think it's kind of a stereotype of a lot of um, sports coach dads who are just yep. they're, they're relieving a fantasy. Really, they they're, are. They're just kind of larping what they they imagine it would be if they were. Ooh. Nice. Like a professional, I mean that's just that's just that that was my that experience. Doing. Yeah, there's a lot of people like like you don't know anything. Like you're, you're no. not stri- strategically involved. You're just someone's dad. I heard a coach the other day. A kid was saying that he's a Mets fan. The co- coach made some sort of Yankees reference, and the kid said, "I'm a Mets fan." And he said, "Oh, uh, I don't know who's still on your team." And then he thought, and he's like, "Is Todd Frazier still a Met?" And I said, "Todd Frazier." And I said to him, "No." Even though I was not part of that conversation, it made me. It almost made me upset that this coach knew so little about baseball. That's true. That's true. I mean, Todd Frazier. So, so this person is in tune enough with the Mets that he remembers when Todd Frazier was on the. It's Tom's what? River. It's just the Tom's River thing. That is yeah, it. That is all maybe. it is. It's that we're, he. We, it was a game in Brick, same county as Tom's River. He's like, yeah, hey, Todd Frazier. That guy's always been a Met his whole career. And that's it. What you didn't hear about the you didn't hear about the Lindor trade. You don't know about this kind of this Bob Gibson reincarnated Jacob Degrom. Like what are you talking about? I don't understand. You can like, reference Glaber Torres, but you can't reference Jacob Degrom. What is <laughs> yeah. going on in your world? The Yankees play the Mets. You idiot. Yeah. Yeah. That that's just some. It's that maybe that's we're just underestimating. Willful how incompetence. Little, yeah, they just care about their team to an extreme value. I mean, like. I'm a Yankee fan. I know who Jacob Degrom is. I guess I'm unlike. You're a Yankee fan, and you know who Buck Farmer is, though. <sighs> yeah, not for great reasons. He has been <laughs> bad. He has been really bad. 
but that's not that's neither here nor there. I have a feeling I have a feeling if we're looking at the early returns, and I think I can I can compile this for the next show. But you're gonna destroy me in the in that uh for that uh draft we did. Here's for, hoping. Uh, I I think uh maybe come July, we'll, we'll a retrospective episode will be needed about how we would do this differently. Uh, because I I think it's a fun concept, and I think there is some strategy to it, and we did not yeah. realize that at all when we did. I'll it. tell you this: I wouldn't have taken Adley Rutschman, even though all reports said he won't play this year. I wouldn't have done that. Um, but it was fun in the moment. I it had really fun. was. Yeah. I mean, I I I mean, like, is there a world where you take Araldis Chapman as your Yankees player? Probably, right? Maybe. I mean, if we're going Yankee relievers, I would have gone somebody like maybe who I know could get multiple innings a lot. Maybe like Chad Green, something like that. Yeah. I know Chad like, Green pitches I mean, a couple innings. But I mean, I think it's probably Chapman. Chapman's war, yeah, war leaders in, in war leaders right now are Mark in for relievers are Melanson, Karinchak, and Chapman. Yeah, I mean, Karinchak has been incredible. I don't think he's given up a, a run or very few runs, if, if that's the case. But He has not given up a run. Wow, yeah, he is a weird guy, man. He Yankees, is. A Yankees just play Cleveland. It's just like, just parts of his body are, are moving in all sorts of directions all the time, and he doesn't let it go when the strikeout is done. He kind of keeps the same, like, feral energy that he has when feral. he's throwing the ball. Like he's sprinting into the into yeah. the dugout, kind of like frothing at the mouth and giving high fives to whoever the fuck is around him and yeah there's a there's a there's an intensity i don't love about it you know like i'm scared of the intensity yeah and i i just i think um yeah that moment that moment last year where urshela hit that grand slam off of him just yeah that was sad i was rooting for him i wasn't but yeah Uh, (laughs) that that was just that was a weird moment that was that was the only time i've seen him pitch and he was kind of like deflated so um Wow, Vlad, Vlad Jr. just did a grand slam off of Max Scherzer, so he got that. But um, and Max Scherzer was on a 15 inning scoreless streak. That's oh, what a way to break it! He yeah, looks, he, look, he looks upset, but good. Yeah, I mean Vlad Jr. has been great too. That's another story. We could, we could yeah, we, I, we gotta, I did draft him. I did draft him. That's a good so. pick. That's a good pick. All right, I, I think that's uh, that's all we got, right? Got anything yeah, I'm else? Good. I'm all good. right, we can wrap it up there. Uh, you're getting your second COVID shot. We'll record an episode after that. Congratulations, fully vaxxed almost there um yeah we'll uh we'll we'll be back on episode 11th on either may 1st or may 2nd we'll uh recap our april uh predictions assign some points and then we'll hop into our may predictions i uh all i know is that i'm gonna win that uh ncaa tournament one yeah and i haven't looked at Devin williams at era so we'll yeah see. We'll, we'll save it for I, I won't look until saturday or sunday <laughs> good, we'll save good. it for that good